0: In 2020, Harvard Law School professor Adrian Vermeule first outlined his proposal for a jurisprudence, common good constitutionalism in an essay in The Atlantic. I initially responded with a friendly essay at the Claremont Institute's American Mind site that applauded Vermeule's quote, beneficial exercise in Overton window shifting while nonetheless offering some objections due to its debatable theoretical compatibility with our distinct Anglo-American constitutional heritage, as well as on the more tactical grounds of, quote, that great Burkean virtue prudence. I called my own proposed remedy to the stagnant conservative legal movement status quo, quote, common good originalism. Since then, I have frequently written and spoken on this most fully, as Garrett alluded to, in a Harvard Journal of Law and Public Policy essay last year, titled, quote, Common Good Originalism, Our Tradition and Our Path Forward. As the title implies, my argument is that this approach to constitutional interpretation was implicitly intuited and implemented by many of the leading statesmen and jurists of the first century of American life, such as Alexander Hamilton, Chief Justice John Marshall, Justice Joseph Story, and perhaps most prominently, President Abraham Lincoln. What's more, the present timing is right. Common good originalism is the natural corollary to the common good capitalism antidote that after decades of destabilizing neoliberal excess must now serve as America's nationalist course correcting political economy. Common good originalism is originalist insofar as the original meaning of a legal provision controls, but it is also morally thick. It counsels interpreters to cabin the permissible range of possible constructions to and ultimately choose the best construction from those which are not incompatible with and which ultimately best further the telos, the overarching substantive orientation of the American regime. The telos of the U.S. constitutional order is naturally and most explicitly captured by the very preamble of the Constitution. The preamble speaks of nationalist, solidaristic societal aims, such as, quote, a more perfect union, the common defense, and the general welfare, as well as a concept of justice, established justice, that can only be understood, much like the English common law itself, as downstream of the natural law tradition and perhaps above all, the Bible and scripture. Common good originalism is thus a substantively conservative, a national conservative approach to originalism. The question now, in the aftermath of the unprecedented conservative victories the most recent U.S. Supreme Court term, is whether any of this remains relevant. That term included among its achievements a major Second Amendment victory in the Bruin case, another win for religious free exercise in Carson versus Macon, the long-overdue formal demise of the noxious lemon test for religious establishment via the Coach Kennedy case out of Washington State, and most dramatically, of course, the overturning of Roe versus Wade in the Dobbs abortion decision. The short answer, of course, is yes. Common good originalism remains as relevant as it ever has been, but it is important to understand why and what that entails in practice. The criticism of a positivist or overly historicist conception of originalism has, frankly, nothing to do with the specific outcome of any particular Article III case or controversy. Rather, the objection is to the very notion That legal interpretation can be reduced to something resembling a mere corpus linguistics style historical inquiry men and especially men pursuing the art of political and jurisprudential statesmanship are not reducible to software programs or computer algorithms rather as i wrote in that initial american mind essay quote human beings are moral creatures and to deny us the ability to advance overtly moralistic argumentation is an attempt to deprive us of the very faculties that make us human in the first instance. The founders understood that attempts to conduct politics and law absent a thick moral grounding and a proper substantive orientation would inevitably fail, descending into the very tyranny against which they had just rebelled. We can trace a direct line here from the preamble's intergenerational emphasis on, quote, securing the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity We can trace that directly to George Washington's famous exhortation in his farewell address where he said, quote, let us with caution indulge the the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Religion in other words, secures the preamble's intergenerational aim of securing the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Hamilton for his matter was suggesting the exact same point when in opening the Federalist 31 he observed that quote There are certain primary truths or first principles upon which all subsequent reasonings must depend Those quote first principles in the anglo-american Constitutional tradition are those derived from the English common law the natural law tradition Christianity and the Hebrew Bible the US Constitution is necessarily oriented to the pursuit of and exists to secure these first principles. This is what John Selden, a preeminent 17th century English common lawyer was getting at when he argued, as my Edmund Burke Foundation colleague Ophir Haivri put it in an essay six years ago, that quote, universal moral principles can really be upheld only within particular legal systems fitted to the disposition and character of a nation. For the American people, the Constitution is, our quote, particular legal system through which statesmanship and legal reasoning can pursue Hamilton's quote, first principles. More fundamentally, the leading folly of the positivist inclined originalist, and perhaps no one here was guiltier than the late great Justice Antonin Scalia, is the very idea of quote, values neutrality as a durable and sustainable exegetical means. Scalia fought so mightily against those who would, counsel the, who, who would counsel recourse to those extra constitutional, small C constitutional resources that might steer the interpreter of the big C constitution in the right direction. But he was wrong to do so. One key insight of, uh, of the national conservatism movement and the broader populist inclined new right over, that has emerged over the past few years more generally, is the idea that there is no such thing as values neutrality. You just heard Hadley speak at great length about that. Everything we do in politics and law amounts to some sort of value judgment. When I debated former Scalia clerk at Whalen last year on Common Good Originalism, I told Whalen that his preference of Thayerian deference to legislative majorities in the case of close legal questions was itself a pro-democracy value judgment. That is in value judgment just as much as any other similarly in the realm of political economy the decision by the Coast World, by the post cold war neoliberal washington consensus to prioritize free trade absolutism especially with china was itself a value judgment in favor of lower consumer prices over the competing goods of american production industry and resilience to supply chain shocks Just as the very choice of which canons of construction to deploy in statutory interpretations is itself a revealing value judgment, so too is the very choice of what to tax and what to subsidize. There is no divorcing value judgments or morality from politics, law, period, full stop, end of story. So the entire paradigm of values neutrality is a lie, and a pernicious lie at that. The adoption of that lie by the post-war fusionist political consensus has been the original sin of conservatism, Inc. And the adoption of that lie by large swaths of the modern legal conservative movement consensus has been that movement's original sin corollary. The misguided propagation of that lie, which in practice means the cowardly abstention from bringing the fight to the very foes who seek to subjugate and dehumanize us, amounts to what Matthew Peterson and I have referred to as, quote, principled loserdom, and it is principled loserdom because recent Western history has repeatedly shown that the pursuit of a values-neutral liberal order results in a one-way cultural one-way cultural ratchet toward ruinous decadence and progressivism. Common originalism is the strand of jurisprudence that grasps this, and it does so in a way that is intellectually consonant with our Anglo-American tradition and heritage. In these respects, common good originalism is distinct from not merely the positivist-centric reigning status quo, but also the the sort of tawdry libertarian originalism that dominates the George Mason University Antonin Scalia Law School faculty lounge, to say nothing of the performative soy originalism of charlatans such as Evan Burnick. That a moral and constitutional monstrosity such as Roe was finally overturned 49 years after it was decided and 40 years after the formation of the Federal Society, says very little about the supposed triumph of any particular interpretive methodology and very much about the success of the political machinations of Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell. The upshot is that common good originalism is here to stay. It's not going anywhere, so you better get used to it. For lower court judges, that should mean adoption of what I have previously called a quote, common good maximization principle, lower court judges should defer to the substantive common good and background principles of our common law inheritance rather than rely upon and further entrench flawed Supreme Court precedent. At the Supreme Court level, common good originalism militates in favor of a de minimis role for stare decisis in the realm of constitutional interpretation, preferring a morally thick original meaning to the often flawed precedents that have since accumulated. More fundamentally, at the Supreme Court level, common good originalism means rejecting neutrality and the pursuit of a mere level playing field as a putative end unto itself. As I wrote in a post-Dobbs column, quote, the proper long-term goal is not neutrality but victory. The time for playing jurisprudential and judicial defense is over. The time is now right for legal and judicial conservatives to go on offense. But in order to do so we must reject illusory neutrality embrace our moralistic impulses and render judgments accordingly when it comes to which so-called closure rules an interpreter should embrace when a text is underdeterminate or ambiguous for instance that means rejecting limp theory and deference to legislative majorities and embracing a muscular thumb on the scale in favor of substantive case and controversy outcomes that are most consistent with the telos of the American regime, justice, human flourishing, and the common good of the whole. The overarching judicial lodestar is thus not a reflexive posture of procedural restraint, but rather a deliberate pursuit of substantive justice, the rewarding of good and the punishing of evil within the confines of the rule of law. After Dobbs, when it comes to the abortion issue, the political and judicial branches alike should should reject a house divided against itself style abortion patchwork regime among the 50 states and instead interpret the 14th amendment's equal protection clause to ban abortion and protect unborn life nationally. Congress for its part can and should legislate a national protection for unborn life embracing a morally imbued reading of its 14th amendment section 5 enforcement power. Moreover, After the Coach Kennedy case, it is time to double down on the issue of public religion. We must get the Bibles back in schools, God back in the public square, and the liberal misnomer of so-called separation of church and state back where it belongs, the ash heap of history. The American Republic is ailing, showing increasing signs of hurtling toward an inescapable abyss. The legal imperative, much like the political imperative, is to know what time it is and act accordingly, wielding power in the service of good political order. Fortunately, those focused on jurisprudence specifically need not look very far. Common good originalism was, is, and remains both our tradition and our path forward. Thank you very much.